Will you join with me in a word of prayer? Father God, as we just saw, um, the tapestry is a community that just wants to live up to its name of weaving people of diverse background and color and ethnicity and social strata and whatever into the fabric of a Christian community. And as we just saw through the choir and my story and through this video, you are weaving us in to the fabric of your church. And you have been good. You have been faithful and you continue to weave us in to a church. And we pray that we would be a church that would glorify you, that we would proclaim your name, uh, your name and your son's name, Jesus, to the world. So, Father God, this is so much fun and this is a celebration. But may we not forget why we are here, that we are here to worship you and we are here to be on your mission. So come, Spirit, come and continue to be with us as a church, but also now as we turn to your word, we ask for your Spirit's presence, and we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So good morning, everyone. Isn't this absolutely crazy and fun? That when we turned a year old as a church, this here is a picture of the tapestry. One year old, all 108 of us. Uh, I counted the pregnant woman twice. Because when it, when it comes to church planning, like you count everyone, like everyone. So now, how many of you are in this picture? If you were in this picture, raise your hand. I see a few hands, good. Now, for those that have your hands raised up, look around. Like, isn't this absolutely mind-boggling? Like, this is absolutely crazy. Who would have imagined that 14 years after that picture, we would become a multi-congregation, multi-campus church across three cities in the Lower Mainland? Come on. God is good, yes? Yeah. Now, birthdays are significant. They serve as important markers in our lives because it gives us an opportunity to look back to see where we've been and to look forward to see where we are going. And I've been thinking and praying this past week about what to talk about today. Uh, it has not been easy. You can ask my wife about how many times I've woken up like early, early in the morning and been unable to go back to bed. On our 15th birthday, what do we need to hear as a church? And the one thing I felt the Spirit saying to me over and over again was to talk about the Sabbath. Yes, that's right, the Sabbath. It's not what you expected, right? You expected a rousing encouragement, right? Let's keep on going. Let's, you know, let's be on God's mission. Let's plant another church. And yes, absolutely, I want to do that. But in order to do that, I, in order to plant and continue to grow wide, we cannot forget that we need to grow deep. Like a tree that is planted, the deeper the root system, the deeper the roots go, the taller the trunk, the wider the branches, the larger the reach, and the more plentiful its fruit. In other words, the depth of our relationship with God will lead to the breadth of our mission. And so today, I actually feel very convicted to talk about the Sabbath, this 24-hour, one-day-a-week period of rest. Because if you actually were to ask me, what is the most important thing that has happened to me? Well, not the most important, but what is one of the most important things that has happened to me in the last 15 years? What is the one thing that has continued to sustain me not only as a pastor, but as a person? It would be quite simply Sabbath, taking Sabbath. So what do we know about the Sabbath? Well, let's start from the beginning. 
The first time the word Sabbath shows up is in the book of Exodus. And as many of you know, the keeping of the Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments. And the big ten are found in Exodus 20, and it begins like this in verse 1. And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord Yahweh your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Right. So this is the prelude to the Ten Commandments, and it is absolutely crucial that before God gives the Israelites the Ten Commandments, God first reminds them of his relationship with them. He says, I am the Lord your God. I have brought you out of Egypt. I have brought you out of slavery. I, am, I have saved you, and I am committed to you. And it's only out of this relationship, only out of this covenantal love, that God gives us the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments then come after, not before which means the Ten Commandments are not given to constrain us or be used as some kind of measuring stick or that we have to somehow earn God's approval, but the Ten Commandments are given to us as a gift, a gift to help grow, enrich, and protect the relationship we have with God. Now, here's a quick listing of the Ten Commandments, and you can see, uh, next slide, that the first three commandments have to do with our vertical relationship with God, right? You shall not have any gods, you shall not make any idols, and the last six have to do with our horizontal relationship with others, right? Do not murder, do not steal, and so on. But right in the middle, this fourth commandment on Sabbath, it is actually the linchpin. It is the hinge that connects these two sections together. And so that's what I want to talk about today, how the Sabbath relates first to God, then to others, and then to ourselves, all right? About Sabbath as it relates to enjoying God, second, for the benefit of others, and third, for our own soul care. God, other, and me. Got it? Okay, God, other, and me. So first of all, how does the Sabbath relate to God? Well, the fourth commandment starts like this, Exodus 20, verse 8, and it reads, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So God makes it very clear in verse 11 why we should take Sabbath. Just like how God worked for six days of creation and rested on the seventh day, we are to work for six days and to rest on the seventh. For it was on the seventh day that God spent the entire day reflecting and enjoying his own creation. It says repeatedly in Genesis that it was good, that after the first day, God looked back and said it was good. On the second day, God looked back and said it was good, and so on and so on. And in Genesis 1, God took the time to enjoy what he made. Shouldn't we? I mean, God created the world. God rescued you from exile. God saved you from slavery. God fed you with manna. God grew the cotton and wool of your clothes. God makes the sun rise every day to provide warmth and light and photosynthesis for your plants. Work is that which governs your life the other six days, whether it be at the office or at home or at school. But on the seventh day, shouldn't we stop to rest and enjoy what God has done? So let's take for an example, you decide to build a canoe. And so a friend of mine did this. He built this beautiful wooden canoe, and I have a slide of it. And I confess that every single time I see that canoe, I break the 10th commandment. Thou shall not covet your neighbor's canoe. <laughs> and I confess, that's what happens. But let's pretend that you decide to build a canoe. 
And you look for the most beautiful pieces of wood you can find. Then you nail it, you glue it, you sand it down, you seal and paint it. And when you have finally finished building this beautiful canoe, what do you do? Do you just walk away? Or do you just start working on another canoe? No, of course not, right? You get into the canoe. You enjoy it. You enjoy the water. You enjoy creation. And most of all, you enjoy the God who made it all possible. N.T. Wright puts it this way. Sabbath is practice of heaven. Isn't that good? Sabbath is the practice of heaven. Because some people understand Sabbath to be nothing more than taking a day off. But it isn't a day off as much as it is a day with, a day with God. Because let's be honest, sometimes the way we treat Sabbath, I mean, if we take Sabbath, isn't with God. It isn't restful, it isn't creative, and it is not heavenly. That it becomes nothing more than binge watching, errand running, window shopping, and web surfing. Going back to the commandment, God says, remember the Sabbath day in what? By keeping it holy. And sometimes we forget to add that preposition. It's not just about keeping the Sabbath, it's about keeping the Sabbath day holy. Now, this is really cool, and this is for you Bible nerds out here. But there is something called the principle of first mention. The idea is that first time a word or an idea shows up in Scripture, it functions to provide a definition for that word. And so where is the first time that the word holy shows up in the entire Bible? In relationship to Sabbath. That surprises you, doesn't it? So what does God make holy? Time. God makes time holy. So I don't know if you begin to understand what this means. You would expect God to make a holy place or a holy mountain or a holy temple, but God first and foremost makes a holy day. Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel writes, the Sabbaths are our great cathedrals. And what this means is we do not have to get in our car and drive across town in order to go into this beautiful cathedral in order to meet God. No, no, no. All you have to do is enter into a day. God is found less in space than he is in time, that we meet God on a day, on Sabbath. It is his holy time. Sabbath, then, is a gift of time, a time to rest and enjoy God's sovereignty, dominion and rule, a time of worship, gratitude and praise. Friends, take Sabbath if you don't take Sabbath right now, because it will, trust me, lead to a deeper, more profound, intimate relationship with God. So that's my first point. Sabbath as it relates to God. Secondly, Sabbath affects our relationship with others. Now, God gave the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai right after the Israelites had escaped from Egypt. It was in Egypt that they worked day and night and day and night. Supposedly, the Israelites were forced to work 70 days a week and then only given a day of rest, maybe. And they were made to make bricks, right? Bricks, bricks, and more bricks. God is here then reforming their calendar. God is saying to them in this commandment, you're not a slave anymore. You don't have to work every day. You don't have to toil for a cruel master, for you have been saved. You have been redeemed, and I, Yahweh, your Lord, will look after you. And so if this is true, why is it so hard for us to take Sabbath? If it's not Pharaoh anymore, who or what are we a slave to? And I would argue that if we are not spending time with God, we are spending time with some other God. 
Maybe we don't take Sabbath because we have become slaves to the modern-day gods of prosperity, consumption, and materialism. Walter Brueggemann puts it best when he writes this in his book, Thus I have come to think that the fourth commandment on Sabbath is the most difficult and the most urgent of the commandments in our society because it summons us to intent and conduct that defies the most elemental requirements of a commodity-propelled society that specializes in control and entertainment, bread and circuses, along with anxiety and violence. Think about what he's saying here. Anyone who cannot rest from work is a slave. A slave in whose master is money and consumption, success and restlessness, mindless and violent entertainment, or all of the above. And these slave masters will abuse you and take advantage of you unless you are disciplined in the practice of Sabbath. That our inability to Sabbath then affects our relationship with others because if our goal in our lives is to produce more and consume more and to make more so we can be richer and more powerful and more effective and more well thought of, then we'll begin to see others only as a commodity to be used. Friends, it is so easy to get sucked into Egypt. No wonder God is very clear in the commandment. By the way, the fourth commandment is the longest of the commandments. When God writes this, on the Sabbath, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, that everyone and everything is to stop working, that Sabbath is then resistance to slavery. But even more so, Sabbath is a declaration of freedom, not only for myself, but for others too. And so on a macro level, we can talk about modern day slavery, sweatshops, the global inequity in the supply and consumption of resources and so on, that our Western consumption drives the rest of the world in poverty. But bringing it closer to home, in a micro sense, I've come to realize that if I don't take Sabbath, others directly around me will not take Sabbath as well. And I'm not only talking about my family, my wife, or my oxen, if I had any. But let's say that if I don't take Sabbath, and I begin to email and call and force the church staff on their Sabbath to do work, assigning them assignments. In doing so, am I not actually forcing them to produce? My inability to Sabbath actually forces others to work, to keep up bricks, bricks, and more bricks. How am I actually loving them? This is a huge paradigm shift and why the fourth commandment is the hinge for the rest of the Ten Commandments. Because I always thought Sabbath was only about me and God, but taking Sabbath is actually about taking it for the benefit of others. Those around us, yes, but also those in our society, culture, and yes, even in the world. Are you with me so far? Why are we to take Sabbath? Number one, to enjoy God. Number two, to benefit others. And lastly, Sabbath is for our own good. I believe there is a rhythm and cadence that God built into the world. Six plus one, six plus one, that we are to work six and then rest for one. And if we live this way, Daryl Johnson calls it living according to the manufacturer's specification. For that's how God created us that God builds into us this particular rhythm of life, a natural rhythm that brings external rest of the body and inner rest of the soul. Now, have you ever thought what gives rhythm rhythm? Like, have you ever thought what gives music music? So just imagine listening to a drum and all you heard was this. Like,
Like, after a while, don't you want to die? <laughs> like, it's terrible, right? Like, just get me out of there. Now, what makes rhythm rhythm is the breaks. Now, as you just saw, I have no rhythm. I have two left feet. I tried. Um, I did not know until I got here this morning I had to do that with the boys. <laughs> so don't judge. <laughs> but what makes music and rhythm are the breaks. Right? It's the breaks that make the music. But I would think, I would imagine for the most of us here sitting in our room, this is what our music sounds throughout the week. Do you know why? Because we don't take breaks. It's go, 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 go. And when we do that, our life is just noise. There's no rhythm, there's no beat, there's no music. It's just constant noise. In Japan, it's so common for employees to work themselves to death, there's even a term for it. It's called koroshi. And it literally is translated as death by overwork. A recent example of koroshi was a journalist named Mawasada who worked so much, including 159 hours of overtime in a month, that she died of heart failure at the tender age of 31. If you do not take a break, with the tension and stress that comes from workaholic week, we will crash. Friends, God knows us. He created us after all, and he gives us the gift of Sabbath for our own health and well-being. There's a beat, there's a cadence to our lives. Six plus one, six plus one, six plus one. That Sabbath is for our own good. Friends, are you beginning to see how absolutely important Sabbath is? We need to begin to take Sabbath if we are not. So how are some ways in which we can practically do that? So I want to share briefly about how I take Sabbath and offer some tips, I hope helpful ones, that can shape your own Sabbath rest. So I will admit that Sabbath has not been one of those commandments that I have took as seriously as the others. I tried hard not to worship any idols. I tried not to murder and steal and lie. But how important did I actually treat the Sabbath? One of my professors told me that before I began pastoral ministry, this is the one thing you have to do, but did I listen? It wasn't actually until 10 years ago when I realized that something had to change because things were starting to unravel in my life. I had become this workaholic. I had not set good limits. I was marginally depressed. I did not sleep very well, and I developed this weird manifestation of lockjaw. Like my jaw would just drop and click in and out by itself. Something had to change, and I realized that I had to discover a Sabbath rhythm. And so Sabbath became a priority, and I haven't looked back. Friday is my Sabbath. My wife, Frida, also has Fridays off, and I can't ever imagine taking Sabbath without her. So Sabbath begins for us on Friday, and what I'm describing here is what happens on most Sabbaths, because sometimes it does need tweaking, because life happens. For instance, I had a seminary class that I had to teach last Friday, and so Sabbath became uh, Friday morning, Friday afternoon, and Sunday evening, that we don't have to be legalistic about it. Sabbath is not about rule-keeping. 
And this is something the Israelites struggled with. They took Sabbath very seriously, as they should have, but slowly it began to be something else. And the Pharisees began to legislate what the people could do and what they could not do. And the result was a whopping 1,521 laws about what you weren't allowed to do on the Sabbath. That does not sound restful. The Pharisees' notion was rigid and legalistic. So no wonder when Jesus came on the scene, the Pharisees attacked Jesus for not following the Sabbath. I mean, his disciples picked grain when they were hungry. Jesus actually healed people on the Sabbath. And although Jesus condemned the Pharisees' harsh view, he did not reject the idea of the Sabbath. Far from it. In fact, Jesus says to the Pharisees in Mark 2, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. In other words, Sabbath was given to us as a gift to benefit us, to free us, to meet our needs, not the other way around. And more importantly, it says very clearly that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, that we can enjoy being in the presence of Jesus on that holy day. So again, we don't need to be legalistic about it. My way is not the right way to take Sabbath. It's the right way for me to take Sabbath. And you have to discover what works best for you. But what is crucial is you find a 24-hour time in your week to Sabbath. So again, Sabbath begins for us on Friday. We get up early, we head out, and we do something active. And this past year, it has pretty much meant a hike, often on the North Shore, pretty much every Friday. And you may find this kind of strange, but then when we actually start hiking, we actually barely talk. Now, don't get me wrong, we like each other. Uh, we enjoy being together, but there is something about walking, and there is something about walking in silence. I mean, our whole life has, our whole week, sorry, has been go, 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 go. It's been noise, and sometimes in that noise, we actually aren't able to listen. So walking in God's creation, and the only thing you hear is one's own breath, and hopefully God and his spirit. And I have no other way to describe it that it almost seems like every step that I take, like God is slowly watering or spraying me or just replenishing my soul. And slowly all the toxins and all the worries and all the anxieties began leaking out from me. Then we'll come back from our hike and maybe sit on our deck, open a bottle of wine, and maybe then we might talk. We'll cook a nice meal, we'll read, we'll read our devotions, we might journal, and so on. Rabbi Abraham Heschel says again, if you work with your hands, Sabbath with your mind. If you work with your mind, Sabbath with your hands. So that means if you sit in your desk all week, you probably should do something active on your Sabbath. And if you work at the construction site all week, then you should probably read or do something creative on Sabbath. On Friday, as much as possible, my computer stays closed, my phone goes on mute, and I cannot tell you how absolutely important that is for us. I've got a sermon on digital addiction for another day. This also means that I actually have to say no to certain things, which means I actually don't show up to a lot of events on Fridays. I don't. I can't. Because Sabbath is a priority. Six plus one, six plus one. It's a time for me to reconnect with God and to find my rhythm. So that's what I do. Does that help at all? So friends, do you take a Sabbath? Is Sabbath a priority? And where does Sabbath fit in your life? Listen to Jesus' words to his disciples in Matthew 11, words that I so desperately need to hear from time and time. My wife says it's one of the best verses in the Bible. 
And friends, maybe these are the words that Jesus is saying to you today that you need to hear. Like truly listen against the noise that we would be able to hear these words of Jesus. And I'm reading from the Eugene Peterson translation, the message. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Apt for me. So come to me. Get away with me and I'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Oh, isn't that good? Friends, Sabbath is a gift. It's a joy. It's a gift that leads to worship, a day to enjoy God in his creation. It's a gift that helps us resist the idols of consumption, a day to enjoy what we have. It is a gift that helps us develop a rhythm that develops wholeness and health. And as John Mark Comer puts it, Sabbath is like a weekly Christmas without the stress and that weird uncle of yours in the corner. It's a day of celebration, play, eating, storytelling, delight, and laughter. Friends, God has given us a gift, and you do not leave the gift unopened. You open it, you open it, you use it, and you enjoy it in your life. So let me conclude by this, by going back to where we began with this image, this metaphor of a tree. Like a tree that is planted, the deeper the roots go down, the taller the trunk, the wider the branches, the larger its reach, and the more plentiful its fruit. Today is our birthday. Today we turn 15 as a years old as a church. We are a teenager in years. And there's nothing more than a teenage boy likes than an all-you-can-eat buffet. And that means we will continue to grow. We continue to welcome more and more people into our community, so much so that we're desperately running out of space in Richmond and especially Marple. We continue to reach out to our neighbors, to reach out to our friends in temporary modular housing, refugees, and new immigrants. We continue to welcome people through Alpha. We continue to welcome new babies and kids. We pray and hope that we will continue to grow, to extend our reach, to bear more fruit. We will, God willing, plant more churches. But as we grow wide, we also need to grow deep. That our growth is unsustainable unless we grow deep. Otherwise, we will fall over in a windstorm against the wind and noise of this culture and society, I am more and more convinced of the importance of spiritual disciplines, of meditation, of fasting, and of course, Sabbath, which is at the foundation of it all. As we grow wide, we need to grow deeply rooted in Christ. So church, today we turn 15. And as we continue to discern where God is leading us as a church, may we grow deep in order that we may be able to produce fruit, plant seeds, and provide shelter to each other and to the world, and that we would be a church that makes disciples who Sabbath, who makes disciples who Sabbath, who makes disciples who Sabbath, and so on, and so on, and so on. You with me? Let's pray. Father God, you are good. And you are good all the time, and you give us so many gifts, the gifts of music, and the gift of a church, and a gift of voice, and a gift of dance, and the gift of your creation. And you have given us this gift of Sabbath. 
I pray that we would be a church that would open this gift and to use it. And so that we could be more wise, more discerning, that we would be able to be people who love you, who obey you, who honor you, who worship you, who walk with you, who do everything with you. For you have made holy time that we can be with you every day and every moment, and especially on this Sabbath day, that we would enjoy you and everything you've given us for your kingdom, for your glory. You are good. And all of God's people said, amen.